This week on the show, we explore the mind of our state rep from the 20th District of Kentucky in Bowling Green, Patty from the Block, Patty Minter. It got so real that we got to add some of the conversation to our vault, but what's left is absolutely fascinating. Hope you enjoy. with not saying uh, has already been lost by Matthew. Thank you, Lord Booty Sweat. Uh, today we have uh, Kentucky State Representative for the 20th District out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, Patty from the Block. Patty Minter, she's a professor of history at WKU. Uh, she's a mom, she's a wife. It says Bonnerubian. That's uh, right. SpongeBob Baking Champ and Advocate for Justice. You can reach her at uh, on the gram at Patty Minter for Kentucky, spell Kentucky out. PattyMinter4KY.com and just search Patty Minter on Facebook. That's actually how I reached her. She's very responsive in the messages. Do not message her if you're crazy, please. <laughs> well, well, thank you all for having me here. I'm excited to be on Locally Yours. I love your Instagram. It's fantastic. Uh, I feel like, this is, Matthew, is this our peak? Do we go downhill from here? No, it's always, always up. Okay, okay, because this is this is a big deal for us. Thank you. Know? you. So uh, it's a big deal for me too. We're very Thank excited. Uh, do not forget to like, subscribe, and favorably rate us on iTunes and Google Play. Then give our Instagram page a follow. Uh, we have a new series called The Living Room. Uh, we teamed up with Jay from Nightmare House Productions and our friend Lexi Higginbotham to bring you an encyclopedia of Bowling Green's hottest musical acts. Uh, we'll be bringing out one a month. We started with, who do we start with, Matthew? Wet Out Lyrics. We just got uh, done filming Leo the Rapper, formerly known as Da Vinci, last night, and it turned out great, didn't it? I love it. That's gonna, it's going to be real nice. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, <laughs> who, what, where, Miss Mentor? Uh, do, is it, it's Mrs. Mentor, yeah? It's Mrs. Mentor. It's Dr. Mentor. It's Representative Mentor. Mm-hmm. I got so many hats and so many titles. So, so what do your friends call you? Patty. Is it Patricia, though? It, well, no. Your government I was, name is Patricia. Well, no, actually, my government name is Patty. Oh, uh, really? I used to my syllabus name at WKU was Patricia, Doctor Patricia Mentor. I always said that was my grown-up name, and then when I ran for office, I ran as Patty, and I'm back to being Patty again. Okay. That was what my mother called me. So. Very good. There uh, you go. So, are you from Kentucky? I grew up in East Tennessee mostly. Oh, okay. So, you know, so when I came uh, came to WKU, I came to Bowling Green in the fall of 1993 for the job in the history department. So we're in East Tennessee, that's like Copperhead Mountain, right? Uh, I grew up in a little place called Kingston. Okay. Not Kingsport. Everybody says, oh, Tri-Cities. That's I used to go to Bristol. Sim- no, no, not Bris- Not near Bristol. It's <laughs> right. It's the first county in the eastern time zone. If you're driving east right on I-40. Right next to Georgia, right? Uh, not right next to Georgia. Like if you're coming down the Cumberland Plateau from Crossville, going on east on I-40, and you come down this big mountain, and first county when you get to the bottom of the mountain is my county, Eastern Time Zone. So, is there anything of note from your county? You yes. Being a history teacher. Yes, uh, lots of things. Uh, when I was growing up, we have a, a steam plant, a coal, a coal-fired steam plant, had these huge smokestacks, and when I was a little girl, they would always say, "Well, these are the biggest smokestacks in the world." except for some in Russia. So, and then, unfortunately, it became the site in 2008. I wanna double check that date. I believe it was 2008 of the largest environmental disaster in US history <laughs> from that steam plant because s- it's a coal fire. I mean, but it shows how policy really matters yeah, yeah. because it's a coal fired steam plant and they had all of the coal ash waste stored in something that was supposed to be safe and it wasn't and right before Christmas, the coal ash bergs broke loose and got into the Clinch River, oh which is one of the most beautiful things about the area. I remember going home for Christmas and there was huge gray chunks of coal ash going down the river. It looked like icebergs, yeah, yeah. except nasty and gray. And it filled our river with toxins. I mean, the huge multi-million dollar cleanup. Nobody's sure if it's, if it's clean or not, but it literally moved people's houses 
off of the base. I mean, there was an entire area that is no longer habitable by people, you know. So it's the remuneration from the homeowners. Absolutely. You know, the homeowners did get a settlement, but it wasn't necessarily enough. Never is. Never is. And, you know, it's it's a really important lesson. It's a really important lesson about why policy matters. And there are a lot of reasons that I ran for office and have gotten into the political world. But one of them is that I know from being a history professor and teaching American legal history and human rights for all these years, I know that policy matters. And I believe in the power to transform people's lives for the better through good government, through good policy, and that's what I bring with me. And if there had been some tighter regulations on that coal ash, people literally wouldn't have seen their homes move 200 feet down the road and seen their entire neighborhood destroyed by toxic coal ash. So that's home, for better or for worse. So Bowling Green was not a foreign country to me at all, and, you know, I... I've been delighted to make my home here for Since the last twenty five years. Yeah, fall of ninety three is when I started teaching and at WKU. Was that before the like the ice storm that came through? Do you know about that? It was. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, it was before that before so the ice the, storm. You got to hunker was, down with everyone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I was in Cherry Hall the day of the uh, giant uh, hailstorm that destroyed everybody's cars that was in the parking lot. Nineteen ninety eight hailstorm. Mm-hmm. I believe it was nineteen ninety eight. So it was like um, I looked out my window in Cherry Hall, and the back of Cherry Hall looked like one of those children's playgrounds full yeah. of ping pong balls. Yeah, oh, wow. It was just it was balls of ice. <laughs> it would have killed you if they'd hit you in the head. So yeah, lots of natural disasters. So uh, you're married. I am. My husband's same name guy. is same guy. Been married for 31 years. And you have how many kids? One. Yeah. Oh wow. He's okay. fabulous. Yeah. So, and our uh, son's Alex, and he starts uh, his freshman year at Bowling Green High School next week. Oh, oh my really? gosh. Oh my gosh. How did that happen? So, uh, how many times have you um, threatened to get one of his teachers fired for a bad grade? Absolutely not. He's a, he's a good student. <laughs> Never. Okay. He's a good student. All right, Alex, yeah. you're a good guy. We will. We'll, we'll yeah, stop, and we'll I'm stop a te- that line and I'm a teacher advocate. I'm a okay, teacher very advocate. Good, very good. So okay, so um, you know, I was actually we were gonna get into like a brief civics lesson about uh, Kentucky and all that, but uh, I'm really moved more to speak to something that's super important to us on on local yours, and that's mental health. Sure. Um, both Matthew and I both recently have dealt with some depression in ourselves and, and in, a, in the lives of some of our friends. Matthew's a veteran. He had a close friend uh, pass away due uh, to some things that uh, are unique to the experience of veterans. Right. Um, and he had to actually go to Arizona, deal with that, went to the funeral. And so it was a, a huge impact on us. For somebody who's like, okay, so you're a woman, so we're already like going to be looking at you a little bit closer because you're a public figure. Uh, just the way the standards are in society. That's how it works. Um, if I looked at you, I wouldn't think like, oh, she's depressed. You know, like I would think like, wow, this is a successful woman. Uh, have you ever been depressed? Have you ever dealt with depression? And what's something that you told yourself to help you motivate out of that rut you were in if you were in one? Well, first, let me say I'm very sorry for your loss, Matthew. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Mr. Groves. Gunny Groves. Evan Groves. Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you. Thank you all for sharing that with me. And I'm very sorry for your loss. And I'm very proud to serve on the Veterans Military Affairs and Police Protection Committee in the Kentucky House of Representatives. And these are some of the issues that I do want to deal with because I've come into contact with a lot of veterans at WKU because we're a veteran-friendly campus. I'm Mm -hmm. very proud of that. And a lot of veterans love history, too. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, I I have a lot of people in my class, and people who are active duty in the Guard, people who have served, uh, you know, served overseas, you know, because of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. I've had lots of people Mm -hmm. who've done active duty, and they share those experiences with my students. But... PTSD, depression, uh, mental health issues that come with that are very real. And as both a legislator, a teacher, and just as an advocate for people, I'm very committed to trying to erase the stigma that comes with dealing with mental health issues and depression. Because that's why so many people don't come forward, and as you know, Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons that many people don't seek treatment that they very much need while they're on active duty Mm -hmm. in the military because of the stigma. And I hope that's changing. It seems like the people that join the military are the ones, like, who have this underlying condition that 
they're scared to talk about for one. It, it's something you move away from. You don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So when it does happen, it kind of catches 90% of people off guard. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're saying it's even more like important. Yeah. Because these are people who already have existing I think personality so. predispositions. To I think so. Some, yeah. Mm-hmm. And certainly it's a stressful situation because no matter where you're posted, you're away from support systems. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know, the service to our country is very stressful, of course, for people who are in dangerous places. Obviously, that's a whole different level and you know again that's something that lawmakers can do and I'm very deeply committed to doing one of the things that uh, that I'm proud to co-sponsor right now is legislation this affects people at the opposite end of the life spectrum from where you are but uh, it's you know seeking base funding to get a federal match to finally bring a, an assisted living, a nursing home to mm-hmm. Bowling Green for our veterans. And again, you know, when people say, well, why do we need that? You know, as you've said, veterans have unique needs. I mean, when I go to the American Legion, I meet a lot of guys who are Vietnam veterans. Mm-hmm. People are still struggling with Agent Orange. You wow. know, for a lot of people, that's something out of a history book or a documentary, yep. but for these folks, this is real lived experience, and people don't realize it goes down through the family. You know, that stuff stays in your body, and it affects members of your family and you know that PTSD and that trauma last for the rest of your life so having a space for veterans that acknowledges and serves their unique needs and I'm here for that and I'm really excited oh, yeah. to be a co- yeah to be co-sponsor of that legislation what is the committee you're on uh, it's called veterans uh, veterans military affairs and police protection and I'm on the House of Representatives committee so, you know, that's something I'm very deeply committed to and I want to work on. But again, what I've known as a faculty member, you know, talking with my student veterans, you know, there are major needs that our veteran community has, particularly with mental health. And it needs more funding. It's that simple. It simply needs more funding. So those are things that I do want to work on going forward. Everybody struggles from time to time, and I think it's important to talk about it and to destigmatize it. I lost my mother right before, six days before I was sworn in as your state representative. State rep. When did you yeah. come, what, what was the date you came to office? I was sworn in on January the 8th in, oh. uh, of this year. So uh, 2019. 2019, and I lost my mother somewhat unexpectedly six days before. And that's the kind of thing that takes, you know, I can't say that you ever recover. Were you close very okay. very very so you know she had been ill for a while but it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be that day you yeah. know it wasn't supposed to be that day and those are you know those are things that take a long time to process and you you know I don't know that you ever get over something like that but you know one of the things I'm extremely grateful for I'm grateful for my family I'm grateful for my campaign team who came to my swearing in my family couldn't be there because of what had oh, happened really? so you know my my husband and my son were there and my campaign family and that was beautiful or beautiful support system but my uh, my House of Representatives family I'm you know I have a wonderful group of supportive people around me particularly uh, my 18 sisters in the uh, House Democratic Women's oh, Caucus <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got my. I was like, oh shit, bro, she's got eighteen siblings. No, I don't have eighteen siblings. I have three siblings. But that was extended family. Extended family, yeah. You know, they're really they're eighteen. They're eighteen Democratic women. The House Democratic Women's Caucus is very active and very supportive, and I'm grateful for my sister's support. And that is how I think of them. I'm proud to serve with some fierce, strong women, and you know, we're there for each other when difficult things happen. Oh yeah. So you know, finding that support system, you know, really makes it really makes the difference but sometimes that's not enough and that's okay and we need to destigmatize mental health issues so people know that you've got to ask for help it's okay to ask for help and it's there and I'm here for that all right okay so um, let's get like a quick little civics lesson Uh, check out this word bro does the Commonwealth have a bicameral we do. Nice. Uh, I love your vocabulary. Government. That's right. That's yeah. Right. I know how to use Google. Thank there you go. Much. There you go. We uh, do. It's a bicameral system. So that's a, a state. That's the House of Representatives and then the, the, the Senate. Senate. Correct. In yeah. Kentucky, the Commonwealth has how many districts? 
Um, there are 100 House districts, okay. and gosh, I'm not in the Senate, so yeah, I think I there I think there are 38 because there's 38 of them over there. So it must be the answer to that question must be 38. Yeah, there are well, 138 so of us total. One, one senator from each represent or each district. Yes, and there's only one House member from each district. Oh, really? And each of us more or less represent 41,000 people. Okay. So there are more or less 41,000 people here in House District 20 and that's that I'm proud city, to represent. The city proper of Bowling Green. Pretty much, yes. You know, they're all districts are drawn a little strangely, but more or less it is the city proper. So, um, growing up, were your folks civically active? Were they uh, influential on in your choice of being a, a Democrat in Kentucky? Well, my parents were were civically active, but not politically active. Okay. So, you know, involved in lots of civic activities, but. Uh, you know, they had a profound influence on me. I credit my mother, actually. Again, it was devastating that she did not live to see her eldest daughter sworn in oh, to the, the state house. Of how many? I am the oldest of three. Okay. Three daughters. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I wear I wear it openly, right? I've got oldest daughter written all over me. <laughs> you know, there's a probably, if you did a survey, I bet you that most women who are in elected office are eldest daughters. I'd be, I'd really? be willing to give you a good wager on okay, that. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I really credit my mother with kindling a lot of this in me because when I was a little girl and I was home with chicken pox, um, I was sick during the period that the Watergate hearings were going wow. on. And, you know, we watched it, and my mother explained to me that it was important for us to watch it because this was a major moment in our country's history, but our, our Tennessee senator at the time, one of them was Howard Baker, and you know a, a very distinguished statesman. Any relation to Jim Baker? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, absolutely not. He was, uh, yeah, he had served Tennessee as a senator for a very long time. But mom wanted me to know that that is our Tennessee senator sitting there co-chairing the Senate hearings, and you know when I knew who he was, and it was important for me to watch this and listen. So all of these people testifying about what did the president know and when did he know it, I sat there trying not to scratch the chicken pox off of myself watching all of this, but it was really mesmerizing, and my mother was clearly fascinated by it, and we'd talk about it afterwards. And I think that is the beginning of this. It really lit a fire under me. And of course, watching the resignation of the president in real time when I was a little girl, those things stick with you for the rest of your life. And you realize that it matters. There's a system of checks and balances and that matters. So I was, uh, yeah, I was absolutely fascinated by all of this. So I give mother a lot of credit for that. So was she a Democrat? Um, my parents could register as independents in Tennessee, so, you know. So if you register as an independent, I thought that, like, in the primaries, you Yeah, you can't as, vote. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. But that didn't matter a lot in East Tennessee because, like, a lot of places, it was pretty much the Republican primary was the primary. East Tennessee's always been like that, though. Yeah. Eastern Kentucky's a lot like East Tennessee, where it's been Republican ever since the Civil War. They call yeah. them mountain Republicans. Yeah. So, you know, that's, so that's pretty like solid. A, that's like a... Uh, yeah. So you, you bring so, that up. That's interesting because... Yeah, so the primary was just, you know, a, a big waste of time. But okay. they, they registered as independents for a long time. Because my stepmom, she's a teacher. She's a retired teacher. Uh -huh. um, she taught at Fort Campbell, though. So she has okay. her, her federal pension. Sure. Uh, her and her parents growing up, and her my, my step-grandparents were uh, professors at Murray State. Okay. In uh, what departments? Ag. Okay, cool. That's a great ag school. Yeah. Um, and so they were all Democrat. They mm -hmm. grew up being Democrat, and so it was mm -hmm. really only in the past, you know, 20 years that mm -hmm. Kentucky has shifted towards this weird, mm -hmm. like, Republican stance that we take there. Yeah, yeah, my grandfather in, uh, my, my, my father's father was, I mean, New Deal Democrat to the core. Yeah. My mother's parents were New Deal Democrats and to the core. And when we say New Deal, we're talking about... Uh, Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal, yeah. My grandmother, who was a school teacher, and she taught in a one-room schoolhouse, and made biscuits for the children because it was a poor East yeah. Tennessee schoolhouse and they were hungry. But Eleanor Roosevelt was her idol. I mean, you know, the New Deal was there to help people, and they, uh, you know, they believed in it strongly. I, one of, the, you know, one of my prized possessions that I have in my Cherry Hall office. That Cherry Hall is where my office is at WKU, and my uh, maternal grandfather had a dairy farm and a gristmill. 
and Piedmont, Next Grocery Mill, Tennessee. Yeah, in Tennessee, and uh, yeah, it had their own brand and everything. It was called Magnolia Brand, and but people would bring their stuff to be milled as well. So you could, you know, he had some corn you could bring and yeah. grind it up. But during the Depression, they participated in the uh, National Recovery Administration's program which you know fixed prices because people were not able to make a living the prices for agricultural products were so low that it was literally cheaper to dump your milk into a ditch than wow. it was to put it on the market i mean people just couldn't live and you know how can people be starving because there's too much milk so what i discovered when we were going through things at my grandmother's house after she passed away i found the sign that was given to businesses that participated in the national recovery administration's program and it has this really cool looking eagle on it and it says we do our part and what I know is that he must have been participating in good standing in that program and keeping the prices steady so that people got a fair price for the product and he could also make a good living out of it because the uh, federal inspectors would come and take your eagle away if you didn't participate. But that is a prized possession and it's real simple. It's on cardboard, but it's really cool looking eagle. And I have it framed in my office in Cherry Hall and I treasure that. But it, again, it also shows how policy affects people's lives. So lots of influences, my independent parents, uh, New Deal Democrats for uh, grandparents. But I mean, we voted. I would go with my parents to Are vote. Are they Democrat, Democrat now? I'm going to be real honest with you and tell you that I don't know what my dad's registration <laughs> is. I mean, that's the truth. That's, yeah, that's absolutely code for them. I'm a no. Republican, dude. <laughs> he may be. Yeah. He may be. I don't know. But yeah. he would tell you, if you picked up the phone and called him right now, he'd say, I'm an independent. I don't know why in the world. He was very incensed yeah. that yeah. independents couldn't vote for his daughter in the primary in Kentucky. Yeah. I explained I all of that. Yeah, I yeah. explained all of that. Um, so, okay, we're talking about your prize possession in Cherry Hall, right? Yeah. <clears throat> this is at Western? Yes. Uh, your place of employment for how long? I'm starting my 26th year. 26th year. So you're intimately uh, involved in at least knowing the way yes. uh, employment at WKU works. Right. Has it been hard having a child as a woman at WKU? Like, does their employment benefits? Are they robust enough for a pregnant woman to have have a family? That is a great question, and boy. You, Folks, I did not plant that question. I want everybody to know, you can testify, but you've given me a, a fantastic question. Because one of the things I'm very proud to have co-sponsored and voted for in this past General Assembly session was the Pregnant Workers Act. Okay, and tell me it, about it. Yeah, the Pregnant Workers Act provides reasonable accommodations for people who need them, for women who need them at work during their pregnancy. And buddy, I was one of them. Uh, I had a very difficult pregnancy. In fact, Alex was born five weeks early. He was small, he was perfect. We were very, very lucky. Yeah. And I wanna thank the staff at the medical center who brought him into this Your world. Mind? Yeah, Diana Granice, Dr. Granice. How much did he weigh? He was five pounds, 13 ounces. And so that's he not, was that's, just- That's slow? That's small, yeah, that's yeah, small. My sister's, she's due, I think the 20th of August. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. on the verge of like that weight. Yeah, that's know, I know it. Now or. Right, right, exactly. And for me, it was I started preterm labor as it's called at 33 weeks. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's very yeah. dangerous. And, you know, throughout my pregnancy, I continued to teach. I mean, I'd sit down if I needed to. And I was lucky that I had a job that was flexible and I had a great department head and I had a great dean. So, I personally felt supported. But until the Pregnant Worker, pregnant, you know, pregnant Workers Act passed here in Kentucky, you didn't have to give people reasonable accommodations if they needed them. I mean, I had to go to the hospital a couple of times in preterm labor. And yeah. again, my department head helped me out. My colleagues covered for me when I needed do you know, it. Do you know a professor named Audrey Jennings? Yes, yeah, sure do. A buddy of mine, I do yeah. CrossFit down at old school. Yeah, so. yeah, she's wonderful. She's so yeah, fine. yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> but uh, it was... You know, it was something that was, for me, dependent on working for good people, which I did. Yeah, which but is other, unique. That's it. Other people have different stories. Yeah. So I'm really proud to have co-sponsored that, and I got to vote for that twice in the Judiciary Committee. I have a seat on that, at that table, and I voted for it in the uh, full House of Representatives. And that stuff matters. It really matters. And, uh, you know, now um, they also have some maternity leave benefit, which is good. That did not happen when I had Alex in 2005. So that so would those allow you to actually, like, take 
time off to spend with Alex as he's first? Well, you could take time off then. Um, Would you get I, paid for it still? That was the kicker. You wouldn't get paid for mm -hmm. it, and now you can. You know, you can. And again, that was a shift, and that's a really positive shift. Mm -hmm. But again, that's one way that public policy. But that's can only make a, that's only a Western. Uh, the pregnant the pregnant uh, workers act covers people everywhere about okay. the reasonable accommodations, but policies about paid leave yeah, yeah. vary from place to place, and yeah. they vary from faculty to staff too. So again, that's something that can be dealt with at the state level, but really it does need to be a federal issue because it really needs to be a fifty state solution. Yeah. You know, because people come to me all the time with issues that are very valid and very important, but sometimes they're issues that are Congress issues, not Kentucky House of Representative issue, mm -hmm. and I have to refer them to our lo local congressman. But we really do need to have 50 state access to paid maternity leave and you know proper accommodations so that people can have safe and healthy pregnancies and you know give birth to healthy children. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky, but I understand completely having had a difficult pregnancy myself, how frightening that is. And again, if I hadn't had the support that I did, my story could be very different. So, so uh, you're, a, you're a professor. Yeah. Uh, you've written quite, how many syllabuses do you think, or syllabi? I think is the, oh my gosh, one. what a great question. Tons. Uh, a lot, tons. A lot. Yeah, I think tons is so accurate. So you yeah. put advice, I guess, at the beginning of the syllabus as to uh, like keys to success to your class, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. uh, is there something that you have on your personal syllabus for your life that you do every day that you can pinpoint that's like... You know, there's that guy, David Goggins, and, and he, he's super famous He as a motivational speaker, and he talks about the power of making your bed every day. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do that first, it really, like, that you're already, you got something done, right. so it's like a snowball effect and stuff. Yeah. You, what, what's your making your bed every day outside of whether or not you make your bed? I play with my cats. Okay. We have three cats, and uh, they are wonderful. We have Felix, who is a little stray Siamese we found in our neighborhood as a kitten. Have Matilda, who was a rescued calico. Somebody from the Bowling Green Warren County Humane Society. Uh, she was actually a rescue that somebody found in the woods. Oh wow! So yeah, she had to be trapped. It took six weeks to trap oh. her. But, yeah, yeah, borderline. But you know, one day she kind of <laughs> gave it up and said, "Hey, this looks like a good gig," and it has yeah. been. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Matilda, and we have Thor, who's a Maine Coon cat and he's just awesome but that gets my day off to a really serene start just playing with my cats and you know just having that unconditional love I love that but I turn on my phone I scroll through my emails and my text real quick do you I have read, a large staff I mean like as a state <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> this is this is working class legislative life <laughs> okay. let me tell you yeah I'm a working person yeah yeah you, you, you were talking to me an assistant or something you yeah I know yeah, no, no, uh, I have have at the uh, at the House of Representatives. I know yeah. people assume that this is Congress and yeah. like I have a car or a driver. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, my car is out a there and it's got monitor stickers on it. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I have a legislative aide and she's wonderful. Her name is Kim. And if people call the office, that's who you get. You get Kim. But if you email me, you're talking to me. Yeah. If you uh, message me on my Facebook, State Representative Patty Mentor, that's me that you're talking to. Uh, I have my campaign family, and they are the best. I love them dearly, but as far as the day-to-day -day work of being a legislator, it's me and Kim all day, and Kim supports four people. But it's funny because when I went to the legislature, people come with so many different life experiences. And, you know, there are people who've been in the business world, people who've been attorneys. And when I got there, they, as I was doing orientation, they said, well, we we hate to tell you this, but you'll be sharing a legislative aid with three other lawmakers. Wait, are they and I was Democratic? Um, in my suite, we're all Democrats. Okay, yeah, they're eight. Like they might be like giving some. Yeah, they're eight Democrats. So we have a you know four and four. I share Wilson Stone, Representative Wilson Stone from uh, Allen County, is in my office suite. Okay. He's awesome. I love him. But it was funny because some people were like. Oh wow, we have to share with four people. Well, for me, we have one office associate for all the faculty in Cherry in uh, in the history department, and we have student workers who are amazing. But I was like, wow, one for four? Wow, that's what, like what is it at Western? One for? Uh, let's see, how many people are in the history department right now? About seventeen, eighteen. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's Mercedes. Our, yeah, class. we have yeah we have the most wonderful office associate. But there's one of her, and we have lots of student workers. So having one person for four lawmakers. That is, 
That's VIP, I'm telling yeah. you. You know, but it's all in the eye of the ball. Will it ever increase, like, as your seniority increases in... It won't increase for seniority. Uh, my understanding is, uh, from people who have been in the majority, right now the Democrats are a 39-person minority. They're we are 61. The minority. Yeah, they're 61. For 60, the first yeah. time in our history, right? This most recent one was the time yeah, both 16, houses and yeah. governor. Yeah, 2017 is when the House The disaster flat. of 2017. Yeah, the disaster of 2017. But yes, you do have more support if you're in the majority. So, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. wow. And I bet yeah. those are the people that make the rules. So we have only ourselves to thank for that. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. sometimes when people say, how can I, you know, what can I do to help, Patty? And I'll yeah. say, well, find me 12 new friends. So yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a magic number. Yeah. That's the magic number. So we got, I got 39 wonderful friends and me 12 new ones. Um, but I do have friends on both sides of the aisle, and that's been wonderful. There's some lovely people from both sides of the aisle in the General Assembly. And, you know, if you look at the voting record, most of the time we actually approve things by really large margins. So if you look at the numbers, it's just the more contentious issues where the very major differences of yeah. opinion show up. And of course, those are the ones that get covered. Okay, so I'm only gonna ask one political question. This is a, a, a ride-in from my friend, Tim Arnold. He's a teacher at Warren Central right now. Yeah. Uh, I made him, actually, I asked him for these questions. <laughs> so uh, we, we all have roles, okay, no, not this one, let me get this one. So uh, does the Commonwealth, no. How can you counteract the strain on local school districts if you do away with incentivizing not using sick days because of the increased number of subs that will be needed as a result. Pause. What are we, okay, so he's a teacher. Mm -hmm. Obviously, these, this is an issue that's important to all of us. But uh, what is in being incentivized here? It says not using sick days. Right, well, and, and right on, Tim. Uh, and I, just so everybody knows, and I say this on my Facebook all the time, uh, as a faculty member at Western, I'm one of the faculty members who is a member of KTRS, Kentucky Teachers Retirement System. So I'm with you and I'm one of you. Yeah. Um, now faculty, of course, it's different. We don't have sick days like K-12 teachers do. But you know, teachers work so hard. They work so hard. They bring in their own school supplies. I mean, people are grading, you know, they take all their grading home. You know, planning period is just barely staying alive. Yeah. You know, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a difficult job. It's a very difficult job. People do it for love. You sure don't do it for money. But I am so grateful every day for the wonderful teachers that my son has had. And so many of the local teachers are people I've had in class, and that makes me so proud. Yeah. So, uh, you know, sick days are important. I mean, the idea, there's this, you know... So if you don't, yeah. as a teacher, if I don't use a sick day, I get to keep that as a paid day later on in the year? Right, and, you know, one of the things that Matt Bevan has done, and this is terrible, well, he's had, he's launched now all-out war on, teach, on teachers. Yeah, he really, real. Yeah, it is for real. And, you know, he talks about it as if somehow they've got all of these sick days they're banking and they're taking all of this money from the people of the Commonwealth. That's simply not true. You know... People, over. yeah, absolutely. You know, people have sick days. My husband. So wait, what is that like? Five? Well, it can't be that many. It's not that many. And my husband works a corporate job. He has sick days too, and mm -hmm. you can bank those things. I yeah. mean, that's how corporations work. It's not that different. So the idea that somehow people are just getting rich on sick days, or they're retiring like ten years. I mean, I've heard all of these horrible things that are simply not true. They're retiring too early because they have all these sick days. No, you know, those are days they've accrued. That's part of their benefits, and they have precious few, let me tell you. So I stand with teachers, and the Democratic caucus in the House right now is not only an incredibly educator-friendly caucus, but there are more educators in the General Assembly on both sides of the aisle than ever before. So uh, there are two Republican teachers. One's a retired superintendent. The other is still an active-duty math teacher. Wow. And um, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, Representative Bojanowski from Louisville, is a special ed teacher in Tim Louisville. Tim Arnold is a special ed teacher. Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly important and difficult work. So, you know, Tim, we stand with you I am an educator too and I'm gonna stand with you and show up for you and we're gonna fight for you and you can bet on that going forward and lots of people on the floor who do this every day my colleague uh, representative Travis Brenda he's a Republican friend from the other side of the aisle he's a math teacher and he's one of the people who crossed over and voted with the Democrats last week on, against Governor Bevin's uh, pension plan. And Which is what, essentially yeah. taking away yeah. uh, state 
employees' pensions mm-hmm. and converting it to 401ks? Yeah, it's a certain group of state pensions. But again, lots of people cross the aisle. Nine Republicans yeah, yeah. cross the aisle. That's a big deal. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Especially in this climate. You yeah. got it, because Matt Bevan does not let people go gladly. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's going to be some payback on that, and that's not okay. But they, you know, they did the right thing, and I'm proud to stand with them. But the group that was affected by this current pension bill are people in KERS non-hazardous. At Western, those are people in clerical jobs, for example, uh, some of the facilities, groundskeeping jobs, uh, positions yeah. like that. But in other places, you know, there's some jobs where the whole staff is in KERS. And KERS is in a crisis that was completely manufactured by the Bevan administration. He restacked their board a few years ago, and suddenly they discovered, and I'm doing air quotes here, yeah, audience, yeah. Uh, quotes. discovered that uh, they, you know, their assumptions were wrong. They changed the assumptions, and suddenly they have, quote, this huge funding shortfall. I'm doing the air yeah. quotes again. And, you know, what this is all about is trying to push our government retirees out of the defined benefit pension that gives them a planned, dignified retirement and makes up for the fact that we don't get paid a ton. State employees don't get paid a ton of money. And the people in this affected group are people like the folks who work at our rape crisis center, at our domestic violence shelter, at our health department. Heaven knows with all of the things going on, we have a hep A outbreak, we have an opioid crisis, we have so many issues in Kentucky. We've got to have our health department fully staffed and doing the important work they do every day. So this is a real this, you know, this is a real problem, and his uh, bill that he barely got through. How many votes did it, did, it, did it win by? It was 52 to 46, so oh, it wow. only passed by two votes, and he was working those votes right until the end. He was. But, you know, that tells you when nine Republicans cross the aisle yeah. and vote against the governor's plan that he spent all summer trying to pass, yeah. that tells you a lot. But what this does is it gives uh, employers that have employees in KERS, non-hazardous, they can opt out for their employees if they want to and buy so out. employees don't get the de- to make the decision. No, that's right, and that's my big problem with it. I have a yeah. lot of problems with it, but one of the biggest ones, I'm an employee advocate, and the employees don't get to make the yeah. decision. The employers do, and there's a huge buyout. So smaller groups may not even be able to buy out, and this has simply made it harder for them to keep going. You know, this whole thing is designed to collapse the state retirement system. So are system. you saying that this only is going to affect a small portion of state workers as a whole? Is it, is it, it all lost now? This or is affects, there still some... the affected class of people right now is about 7,000 people. Okay. And what could happen, again, you know, there are lots of projections here. What could happen as a result of this law if it is not struck down by courts as illegal, which many of us think it is illegal okay. and it right. will be struck down, but uh, it can affect up to 7,000 people and it could lead to as many as 25% of people getting out of that retirement system, being pushed out by their employers out of the retirement system. If that happens, of course, that makes your plan more underfunded, not less underfunded. Because oh, wow. you gotta yeah. have people on active duty, to use a military metaphor, who are active duty employees contributing to the system, and that provides support for the fund that pays for our retirees' dignified retirement. And that's how pensions work. That's how pensions work. And a 401k, they say, well, why can't people just go into a 401k? Well, one, that's not a pension. It is a savings plan. Yeah. It's not guaranteed. It's a savings plan. It is certainly subject to the ups and downs of the market. And trust me, I know this. My husband's in a 401k. He had no choice. He has to be. Yeah. Uh, he lost 5% of his retirement in one day when the market tanked. Oh, wow. Like when, uh, you know, when the trade war started with China, literally one day, 5% of it gone. And the older you are, the harder it is to recover oh, from that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, again. Plus, um, if your employers I, match you or they that's don't. That's right. So, you have that going Exactly. Well. Exactly. You have to stay, so, mm. stay somewhere long enough to vest. And that mm. vesting period can be two years. It can be five mm. years. It can be a lo- There are a lot of ways that this doesn't work for employees. And it's a savings plan, which you means you can also outlive it. with you if you change employers? It's yeah. portable. Mm. And people do see that as an advantage. But the thing is, you can also outlive your money. And what yeah, yeah. we're also seeing is with the first generation of people 
who have done 401ks moving toward their retirement years. We're seeing a lot of people who have not got enough money to retire. So again, I believe that people who serve our country, like our veterans, people who serve our commonwealth, like yeah, our yeah. state employees, deserve a dignified retirement that thanks them for their service to our commonwealth. I'm deeply committed to that idea, and I'm deeply committed to standing up and showing up for them, particularly in the face of someone who is bullying them and who clearly wants to privatize everything that is public, and that's not okay. Okay, so uh, powerful words from the powerful Patty Mincher. Uh, we only have uh, a couple more questions left. One of them is a trivia for Matt and Patty. Here Ooh, we okay. go. Uh -oh. How many commonwealths are in the United States and name those commonwealths? There's like three. Virginia, I believe, is one. Virginia is one of them. Yeah, Virginia is one of them. Okay, what, what is two more? Your, your turn, Massachusetts. Uh, okay, so there's more than there's more than yeah, three. Massachusetts, uh, <laughs> Kentucky. Solid three, solid three. Yeah, I thought there was three. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so there's Virginia, there's Virginia, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, right? Pennsylvania and Kentucky. Kentucky. Is there another one? I, I don't. Uh, Maryland. This, no, I, I, do not make the mistake that I prepared for this interview. <laughs> I don't actually That's know four. the answer. That's four. So. So is it four? Yeah, there's at least four. Is, I don't know. Is there if anything more. inherently different about a Commonwealth than? Not really. People ask that all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, but I love I hear the it. idea. I hear it in the streets, Betty. Yeah. yeah, I love the idea of a Commonwealth. Commonwealth yeah. is the idea that yeah. we are here for each other and that we support. You know, the idea comes from 17th, 17th century England, coming out of the English mm -hmm. Civil War, and the idea of the Commonwealth is the people coming together. For the mutual support of each okay, other. Very good. That's an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm here for that. Okay, so we all have roles that we play in life. You know, I'm a, a son, uh, a boyfriend. Just kidding, Samira. Um, but for you, if you were talking to a Patty that was 20 years younger, what advice would you give to you to yourself as your role as a public figure and as your role as a mother? Oh, that's a great question. It's a great question, or just as a, as a person. As a human being. As a human being. Well, I would tell myself I did the right thing by going to all those live music shows, because <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of my life. Yeah. I love live music. It matters. I've always been a live music fan since I went to my first concert. It says Bonnarubian on her. Yeah, yeah, we've been to 14 Bonnarubians. My husband and I. What? Yeah, 14 Bonnarubians. Yeah, uh -huh. we love them. You gotta, She's putting we, literally every listener right now. I, I dare one of you to tell me you've into more than 14 yeah that's, that's probably the most I've heard. yeah our first one was 2003 so we missed 2002 because so we didn't know about it and we missed 2005 because that's when alex was born uh, so God, yeah we were at the same moment 2008. I yeah. was there. I was there too. Wow. I was there. 07 and 08. Wow. Uh, 07 and 08. So it was okay. Uh, Radiohead. Radiohead. Beck. Beck. Yeah. Wilco played on Sunday. Oh, and you know that Beck set was so amazing with, with, the, the, puppet with the puppet show. You yeah. Were there, I was Patty. totally oh my there. God. I was totally there. Yeah, the puppet show. That <laughs> yeah, was amazing. When you're on puppets, are often the only uh, thing you can. I wasn't remember. listeners. I was not. <laughs> she was not. She was not. Uh, I don't know anything about I that. I love that puppet show, and I love the way that they were throwing shade at Radiohead too, doing yeah. the puppet show. Going yeah. This, you know. yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Because Radiohead had said they weren't going to play Creep, and like Beck was just ragging on it for that. So <laughs> yeah. That was a yeah. great Bonnaroo. It really was. Yeah. It was. It was either the first one before or the first one after Clear Channel bought it. Because it right. changed a lot, a lot changed after that. I mean, like I it think got less jam bandy. Yeah. Some some good things, some bad things. I have yeah. no real opinion about it. But you know, there were showers after Clear Channel bought it, which was cool <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the actual toilets is a good thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's been a really I'm a, good thing. I am pro uh, sanitation. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> yeah absolutely. We have to sell out a little bit. And you know, I like the I'm disco okay ball. They have the disco ball now instead yeah. of the cuckoo clock, and that's a good thing. Silent but the disco. Ferris, yeah, silent disco has been there a cool. long time. I like calliope. Calliope's yeah. good. So uh, I did not know how to pronounce that word. I, I said calliope for a long time. Yeah, the calliope. Yeah. It's a good thing. Okay, it's so what's thing. the advice you'd give to a, a 20 well, year younger Pat? Well, definitely keep going to that live music. Figured out how to study in the car while I was going to shows and that was a good thing uh, keep reading all of those books uh, I ran for office later in life a lot of people had suggested that I do it earlier I guess we do things in the season that we're supposed to do things wow. but uh, you know maybe I should have done that you know again I think maybe that's something I should have thought about earlier but again we find things in the season of life that it's appropriate for us to do so I would tell myself to travel more as much as I could. 
I would tell myself to make sure that I kept making time when I was uh, in graduate school. I didn't make time to hang out with my friends as much as Ooh. I wish I could now. Uh, you know, now I clear the deck. Like if someone says, hey, you want to come to dinner? I clear the deck and I do it. And yeah. that's really important. If somebody wants me for coffee, it's really important I do it. So, so you, you guys know. are hearing it here first. Skip class. Oh, I didn't don't, say skip class. Do it after class. Do it after class. After class. Do it. Clear your deck after class. Uh, yeah. It's easy to get an A in Patty's class. You just gotta show up. <laughs> you gotta read the books. You gotta read the gotta books. Read the books. Show but up. if you read the books, and you know, I tell you, uh, read those books because there are people. I saw one of the most beautiful things this session is I saw a lot of my former students at the General Assembly. Some of them are covering us as journalists now. That wow. was exciting. And a lot of them were teachers protesting. Oh, nice. And I'd hear people saying, Dr. Minner is like, because they're not calling you representative mentor, then you know they had you for class. Yeah. And there they were. And they would say, you know, I'm here, one person who I won't use her name since Matt Bevan is retaliating against teachers. But I saw her on the last day of the session, and she had taken my human rights class. And she said that she was there protesting because she'd learned that she needed to do that in human rights class, that that's the only way that change happens. And, you know, again, they lifted us up. Again, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for you teachers because on those last few difficult days, you all were there wearing your red for ed and you lifted us up by showing up. So I'm mm. showing up for you too. Yeah, I like a good protest. You know, uh, yeah. Do you know uh, Sarah Alexander? Yeah, I yeah, sure do. Yeah, that's one of my really good friends. Went to high school with her. Yeah, yeah. She and you, she were, used to work down in the English department. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Cherry Hall. Yeah. yeah. It's the best place in the world to work. Mm. Yeah. Although the Kentucky General Assembly is an amazing place to work too. <laughs> so, you know, I love being there and I'm all in for you all when I'm in Frankfurt and I come back here and I'm all in for my district and I can't wait to meet my students on the last week of August when classes start. <laughs> so, but yeah, and my, my students and my Summer's former over, students yeah. come in. Yeah, I know it's almost over. They come and they lobby me. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing the people that I see in the halls. And I want people to know, so if there's one message I can get out there, this is your house. You know, come to my office. This is your office. My office is your office in Frankfurt. And it is the people's house. The Capitol is the people's house. It's not Matt Bevan's house. It is your house. It is our house. It's not Matt Bevan's house. It is absolutely not Matt Bevan's house. And I want you to come and I want you to, you know, be there. And I want you to come see me. I want you to write to me. Give me a call. And, so that, that kind of leads into the next question. How can we, us as Kentuckians, you know, everyone out here, how can we help you help us? Well, like I'm here to listen, and the best ideas that any of us have come from listening to you all. So, you know, reach out. Uh, you know, come come see me at events. Come, you know, reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, you know, message me, send me emails, whatever you'd like to do. Invite me to your event. I yeah. go to meetings. Most nights I go to meetings here, you know, here in the district when I'm in town. Come see me in Frankfurt. All you got to do is, uh, you know, just message me or call uh, call my number and you can set up an appointment. I, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. But you know, the best ideas come from those one-on-one -on -one conversations when people share their stories and they share their concerns. And my job is to lift up your voices. I'm there to stand up and show up for you. I'm there to lift up your voices. This isn't about what I want, it is about what you want. And you all, lift me up and give me support every day so I can do that work and I'm very grateful for so it. So do you listen to podcasts at all? Other than locally? Oh yours, yeah. Obviously everywhere. Yeah, no, the other thing, the other way my life has changed is I'm putting a lot of miles on that car out there with the Bonnaroo stickers yeah, on it. So it. yeah, podcasts are a great thing. You like history podcasts? I like history podcasts. Like yeah. History. Yeah, like This American Life. Well, of course. It's yeah. probably like the best radio program that's ever It's amazing. Existed. It's absolutely amazing. You know, I love podcasts, you know, but sometimes when I'm coming home yeah. on Friday afternoon after a long week of legislating, Can't that's. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. By kicking the serious, I listen to the music all the way home. Hey, uh, Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely I love Malcolm. Fabulous. Okay, I love Malcolm Gladwell. It's really good. Um, so who do you think would be, uh, for this is our, our classic last question, who do you think would be a good interview on Local Yours? Oh, wow. Has to be somebody in Bowling Green, huh? Well, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't have to be. The more famous, the better. You got like a hundred mile radius yeah, right well, now. If you can get us Bevan, we'd like to have him on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll reach out to his people. He'll <laughs> yeah. get that to you. Yeah, put in a good word for us. Uh, you know, 
Well, you know, right now, I mean, at this minute, uh, you know, if I would seriously, I mean this seriously, yeah, yeah. reach out to uh, Andy Bashir, who's our Attorney General. Ooh, he's, we'll fighting, do it, girl. he's fighting for the people every day. And uh, you we know. love a good son of the Commonwealth. Well, he's wonderful. He really um, is. He okay. stands up and shows up for people. Proud to call him my friend. He'd be great. We'll go after him. He'd be great interview. Uh, we're also going to have some uh, great entertainers here for the Bowling Green Pride Festival. So, yeah, tell us about that. That's exciting. Yeah, um, yeah, we're having our third Bowling Green Pride Festival, okay. Circus Square park saturday october now, Square park, for, for you guys who are the uninitiated it's not the square it's just the next square over right in front of the performing arts center mm -hmm. yeah right yeah 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 and uh, we're going to be there the festival is from 12 to 5 that day what day and it is saturday october the 5th saturday, October 5th. yeah yeah so 12 to 5 that day we have three bands and we haven't announced the lineup yet so that's a secret but yeah, i, I bet tell you what i lie is on there it might be. We'll find might out. Yeah. And there's other places people can be too. We also have drag performances. So we have Geneva bands. Geneva Ladiva. Shout out, girl. That's right. Geneva Ladiva. You have uh, bands from 12 to 3. Then we have drag performers from 3 to 5. And then we're going to march to City Hall, which we will be doing every year at Pride until we have a fairness ordinance. So we're going to stand up and show up for fairness at City Hall. And then we're all going to take a little break and go home and get fabulous. And then there's an evening drag show starting at either 7 or 8. We have not finalized the time yeah. yet. That is in Circus Square Park as well. Oh, nice. So you can, yeah, catch the evening drag show. But we'll also have a Pride Crawl and oh. local. Wait, okay, yeah. so this is what we were talking about before because I bartend at a, at a few places here in town. Unfortunately, the corporate bohemians that we call the boner will not be involved. But we, ha I, I, I know Gerard is super responsive, and hopefully, we can get Gerard has been too. on the crawl for the last two years. Okay, so cool. yeah, we'll try to get the Derby involved. The there you go, Zach and Jordan. There you go. So it is. Uh, you know, we had eight local venues last year, and some of the venues uh, will have music. So you know, there'll be a band at Rockies, for example. We had a band at Tidballs Tid last year, a band at A Frame. So again, we're finalizing all of that. And We'll be announcing it soon but it really is an amazing day in bowling green and yeah. i think it's a great it's a great community experience so you know you might want to talk to some of the performers who are going to be doing okay. bowling green pride right before the festival yeah. that'd be okay. a great thing to do but y'all come out and be proud y'all it's right. one of the best pride festivals in in the state and i think it's the best pride in the state Very i'm good. really proud to have it here right. in bowling green uh maddie anything else I think that's it. Right on. Thank you, Rev. Thank you, we buddy. appreciate you. Oh, the pleasure is mine. You all uh, keep, you know, keep telling us about all of the great ways we can buy local in Bowling Green. Very and good. it's been great to be on your all podcast. Right. Thank you. Right on. All right. All right.